Hey, hey, Cassandra, we're uh, we're about to record. You should sit down. Norman. Yes. What do your elf eyes see? Uh, um, our our mics. No, no, you're supposed to say they're taking the podcast to Isengard. We, we've 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 been there all, several times yeah, but already. No, like for reals this time. <laughs> what do you what do you what do you mean for reals this time? Well, you know the trees and the orcs and the 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 wizard and we're we're taking the podcast. To Isengard. Will there be stupid fat hobbits? Yes. Okay, I'm in. Oh, okay. That was easy. <laughs> I was. I had this whole sales pitch that you know there's potatoes, and you, you know, gotta boil them, <laughs> mash them, <laughs> stick them in a stew. There, there were also gonna be you know some crunchable horses. Um, we're back. <laughs> with season two, our yes. continuing coverage of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This time we're talking about Two Towers. Join us on Dueling Genre every Monday through Friday to talk about Lord of the Rings one minute at a time. We're from Lord of the Rings Minute. Leave now and And never come back. No, please come back. (laughs) Dueling Genre. to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we get dragged screaming across the floor as we analyze and celebrate <laughs> Spider-Man 2, one medical massacre minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. <laughs> oh, that was your best one. Thank I'm you. Really. <laughs> and I'm Nathan. And I'm Mark. And uh, we're from DC Cinematic Minute, the podcast. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome, welcome back, back, guys. guys. <laughs> thanks. Oh, thanks. Thank you for returning to talk about Minute 42, today's minute, which is the one that begins with, um, I guess we'll call him the scalpel surgeon, getting electrocuted in the overhead light, and ends with Otto waking up and having his eye bandages removed. Um, this is the big the big kahuna, I guess. It's just like... <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah Thank you guys is, this for giving big... us this minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go more into... Uh, uh, your your love of Doc Ock uh, in the next minute, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's the reason why is you guys yeah. uh you guys love this character, and I was like, well, I mean, if they love this character, let's let's <laughs> and uh, and really this scene, this scene, uh, you know, as a kid, uh, I didn't know much about uh Sam Raimi at all. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't put two and two together that Army of Darkness and Spider Man shared the same director. Uh, you know, I didn't even really, at the time, I didn't really know that directors had such a big influence in, in the films that I saw, because, you know, I'd just be like, oh, a Spider-Man movie, oh, yeah, Batman movie, movie. <laughs> like, oh, movie, oh, you go see the movie, and so, like, I went to see Spider-Man 2, because my cousin is so in love with Spider-Man, 
So I was I went to go see it. The first one when I first saw the first movie, I was like, all right, it's it's a Spider Man movie. Um, and then this one, I was not ready for this scene. Uh, and uh, this this is now looking back, it uh, it all makes sense why this yeah. scene is here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is this whole sequence, uh the 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 medical massacre as mm-hmm. uh as Zach put it. <laughs> um this whole sequence, I mean, this is everything I you could possibly want from Sam Raimi directing a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Uh and it's I mean, this is just, you know, he got stuck doing these big temple movies for a while. Um, not that I, I think he disliked it, but I think a part of him was like, man, I really, you know, even before this, he was making, you know, movies like the gift and, uh, for the love of the game and stuff like that. Simple plan. So he hadn't been able to really stretch his Raimi muscles for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I feel like this really scratched that itch for him. I mean, he literally builds in an evil dead reference. Yeah. Uh, with the with the chainsaw, the bit the the snap zoom into the chainsaw. Yes. Um, and it's 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 incredible. But yeah, this whole sequence is the kind of thing where um, you know, this is an argument for getting away from the studio driven tentpole movies. Right. Um, right. Because because this is the kind of thing that would never ever get into one of these movies ever. Again, yeah, 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 and that's um, some, that's something that we have to bring up on our podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just you don't you we would never get to do this kind of thing in a movie anymore because I mean you know the perfect example is Edgar Wright on Ant Man right he yeah. he was let go of that job because they were like we need you to be less Edgar Wright and he's like I don't know how to do that yeah. um, <laughs> why would you hire me if that's not what you want right mm-hmm. exactly which is not not a knock on the quality of the. Peyton Reed film that they ended up with. I mean, I like that movie just fine, but it's not. Yeah. There's but you no liked way... it just fine. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't have the spark that it would have had on with Edgar Wright directing it. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is the example of that. Is just like you know, you look at this and it's like there's a there's a spark of authorship here. Yeah, that isn't in other movies like i i I, like i look at homecoming and it's like yeah i love homecoming but homecoming doesn't feel like anyone's movie it feels like marvel studios movie it feels like kevin feige's movie right right Mm -hmm. Um, the the closest i feel these days is things like like the the movies in the dcu like the Zack snyder movies or like thor ragnarok when they brought in taika watiti and they're like no just make a taika watiti movie like yeah but but it doesn't uh, translate in big scenes like this, you know? Like Yeah, well, I see I I see what you're saying, but I I think I don't think they did let him make a, ta- a Taika Waititi movie, but also Taika Waititi's sensibilities fit into what they already had established. Okay. So that's a fair it, point. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like his sense of humor and the way that he builds a scene is different from what they already had established. It's it's pretty well part of their their whole uh, modus operandi. Whereas, mm-hmm. like something like this, never. This yeah. is this is the kind of thing that you would have had in an in an Ant Man movie directed by Edgar Wright, and they didn't want right. that. Yeah, l- not just like the types of jokes that you do, but literally the way the scene is constructed and built and shot and shown is right. mm-hmm. so him here versus. Yeah, you know, make the script however funny you want it to be. Like that's right. a, that's a different approach to authorship. 
Um, to yeah. to this day, I I I really really wish we could have gotten to see what Mark Webb's Spider-Man movie would have looked like, <laughs> because <laughs> because instead we got two movies that are completely different from each other, yet yeah. directed by the same person, and both of them were it was it was him like punching punching uphill. Like constantly. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just a constant uphill battle with both of those movies with the studio of him not getting to make what he wanted. And that's why the only scenes that they left him alone with are the are the scenes that work the best in those movies, which is the scenes between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Yeah. Yeah. All mm-hmm. the relationship stuff really right. sings in those. Right. Yeah. And that's because he's like, well, they're not going to mess with me on this at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and with uh, yeah. the Russo brothers, when I, you know, I was a huge fan of Community at the time, <clears throat> mm-hmm. like the first three seasons, and you know, once I heard that they got picked up for Captain America, I like just the fact that they were brought on to do that film. It, I already had the, you know, I could already imagine what Winter Soldier was going to look like, and I wasn't far off from what I what I saw, mm-hmm. which is a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but you know, again though, those guys are TV directors. And right. they came into that studio thing and they work, they work great in that system because yeah. that they're used to working in a system where they don't get to design like, the way everything looks. Yeah. They're, it's like, they're, come they're on really, in, match the house style and make right. it work. And, and make it, make it, a, and make it sing, you know, yeah. not just make it work, but make it sing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the guy, the guys that are the, the people that are able to do that, they work really well in this, in this system. But uh, guys like Sam Raimi and Edgar Wright, I mean, they're, they, don't, they don't work like that. And mm-hmm. uh, this is a perfect example why that can be magical. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I telling mean, us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we go through some of the, the gags like uh, bit by bit? Because it's like the sure. sheer number of setups and stunts and VFX in this sequence is unreal. Like I can't imagine – it's so meticulously planned out and then so energetically realized where it's it's not just you wander into a scene of like, oh, there's chaos. So we'll like we'll throw in some CGI people getting killed. It's like literally we will plan out a stunt where they launch a real dude into the ceiling light and have sparks cascade down around him and then smash him through a table. And we'll do that for real with like puppets and stuff. And then in the wide <laughs> shots, in the wide shots, we'll do CGI. It's just nuts. I yeah. uh, one of the one of the great things about Sam Raimi and like Zack Snyder when they do like these horror moments in their superhero films is they do it in a way that it, it makes it look too easy. And like mm. we as the audience, like it just looks so effortless, like, you know, seeing the final product because they're just so good at like, you know, like I said yesterday, like this is, you know, Sam Raimi's in his wheelhouse of like, oh, I'm going to do like this little horror bit. Snake like, monsters. Yeah, yeah, snake monsters, like these brainiac <laughs> Robot arms. snake monsters. Yeah. And it's like, and, you know, and like, well, and everything that's done in editing, you know, as a, as a person who, you know, masters the horror aspect, like mm-hmm. he's like, you know, rule number one, or not rule, but like, I think one of the most interesting parts of this whole scene is there's no music mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just sound effects. Mm-hmm. Just sound effects. Sound mixing is so important when it comes to horror and uh, you know these people, it's screaming like you're in an auditorium, just listening to people scream. Like that's yeah. how you sell it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it is uh, it's in, it's incredibly done, and it is you know meticulously storyboarded. 
Uh, but then there are also like uh, there's also like a few elements where you can tell they shot things a couple different ways. So like yeah. an example is um, this uh, this this woman who's being dragged um, by her by her feet. We get this shot of her close. We're, we're close on her and her hands are um, are off frame and she's screaming and being dragged. And yeah. then later we see that same doctor being dragged only we're wider and we're, we're getting the nail effect where the, where right. she's like clawing up the linoleum or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's the, like rubber the, cement. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> she, so, so obviously they had, they probably had in the storyboards, they probably had, cause you know, the thing, the trick with storyboards is like, you're not, you're not necessarily storyboarding the finished movie. You're just storyboarding like shots and yeah, things. Yeah, what's an essential want. key shot you need? Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so when you when you have this woman and you're like, okay, we're gonna drag you, we're gonna follow you, like you're gonna get that shot that you storyboarded, which I assume is the is the the rubber cement um nails thing. Yeah. And then I I imagine that he was just like, well, you know, let's save ourselves a setup. Let's just move it, push in a little closer. Or switch the lens out or something. Yeah. And let's we've already got this set up. We're already ready to go. We can well, you know, let's get it. Like it's coverage, you know? Yeah. And we can we can play around with it in the edit later. Mm-hmm. Um and and so uh I like there's a there's an energy to this mm-hmm. in that where it does feel like, you know, even though you can't see him, you can kind of feel Sam Raimi just jumping around the set and like, you know, laughing maniacally and yeah. having, well, having fun. Yeah. 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 Um, I and I, and I really like that. I like that um, about this. He also might've had a little help on these days. Cause it, this was one of the first um, things they shot in the whole movie mm-hmm. um, to sort of get everybody like pumped about it and whatnot. And um, because it was one of the first things they shot in the whole movie, they had a special guest come and uh, visit them on the set and play an extra in here. If you click about 20 seconds in, you see one uh, doctor, like his, his eyes go all wide as a, um, a tentacle comes and spears him. He's got glasses on. That is John Landis, uh, the director of American Werewolf in London and Thriller. and uh, Oh, he, wow. John that Landis. is John Landis. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he visited the set for the first few days, and they put him in here. Uh, you know, yeah. Animal House. He John gets Landis. impaled. He gets, he gets impaled. impaled. Impaled up against the wall. That's John Landis right there. And so, wow. I, I can only imagine that, like having both of them there, like as they're shooting this stuff. Uh, do you think I should go this far? Like, yeah, do it. Do it. Like, you know, yeah, they're just like goading, <laughs> goading him into it. <laughs> it's just like it's such a fun little like. Um, little detail in there and what a great cameo to have you know getting killed killed like yeah that. <laughs> slammed weird. right into that wall mm-hmm. oh man that it is that is the most brutal death i think oh it's rough yeah um i mean like i get i get really freaked out at the end of yesterday's minute when there's the guy who gets like alien face huggered and they yeah. do the, the gag where they like they smash a real table and pull him up in the air and move him around even though the tentacle cgi there's something so creepy to me about like having the metal clamp on your face, like yeah, on, I hate it so much. I hate yeah. it. I hate it. It's, there's I love also it. <laughs> uh, there, there's also because you just know that they're 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 just breaking skulls left, like just squeezing oh, skulls until yeah. they break, like all over the place. Um, <laughs> but but there's also uh, I I really like the um, 
the way that they're mixing the the practical puppet tentacles with the CG tentacles by having oh, yeah. them they move them in and out of frame. So mm-hmm. they'll be like they'll be going after somebody and they'll be practical and then they'll they'll sort of weave out of frame and when they weave back in and attack, it's a CG uh yeah. tentacle. And it's just like a really flawless way to uh mix and match your uh practical and, and CG uh tentacles. It's cool. Absolutely. It's cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um the chainsaw is uh is that <laughs> is that normal uh operating practice in a I, uh, I don't know. Room? I yeah. <laughs> like I know a lot of like orthopedic surgeons have like tools that are strikingly similar to like what a carpenter would have, but they're usually like recognizably different in some way. Like you know, medically mm-hmm. speaking, like maybe the blade is a little different, uh, you know, the the drill bit might be the same, but the actual drill looks different. This just looks like a really glossy chrome chainsaw. It yeah. just looks like a chainsaw. <laughs> it's a real nice chainsaw, though. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Bring it in. It's, it's like a one-handed one, too. You don't need both hands. It's just like mm-hmm. it's small. Mm-hmm. It's like this. that's a hospital chainsaw. Like there's something about it. You look at it and you go, <laughs> yeah, that looks like it belongs in a hospital, even though it's a chainsaw. Yeah. Do you think mm-hmm. the chainsaw was yeah. always storyboarded or was like Raimi like, hey, we have to have a chainsaw? <laughs> I I I would get I, you know what that might be one of those things that uh, that John Landis goaded him into doing. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "You got to throw a chainsaw in this, man. You have to have a chainsaw." And we're like, yeah. yeah, we gotta have a chainsaw. And then yeah. it brings up the whole shot where it's like, "Yo, you can even do the shot." I don't know. That just seems like especially a fun thing to yeah, do. especially with that yeah. shot where it's like the the hand rising up with the chainsaw like that the was, evil dead shot like yeah. that was yeah. so yeah. that was so like it that like. That has to be in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. This guy has to have a fighting chance, <laughs> right? And, or, and, that, and that that chainsaw bit isn't even the only Evil Dead reference. Mm. Uh, there, there's another one, and this is this one's a deep cut. But uh, the shot where the the um, the tentacle, where like the camera is attached. Oh, to I the knew tentacle it. Oh, I knew it. As oh, it's, oh, as I knew it's it. moving. Yeah. As it's moving through the air, that is a reference to that's a visual reference to the eyeball in, <gasps> in Evil right. Dead oh. going through the air and then landing in the guy's mouth. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking the roots. Oh, geez, I was in the, I was in a dark part. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean no, the no, whole no. scene is a little. Uh, yeah, it's a little bad. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the chainsaw guy, a chainsaw doctor. That's his actual uh, credit in the end credits, which awesome. Um, as it should be. <laughs> as it should be. That there is, should be a whole line of direct-to-video movies called Chainsaw, Chainsaw Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> Starring just, Tim Storms, uh, which is his real name, Tim Storms. Uh, he is this dude. I mean, uh, most of the doctors in this scene that are not John Landis or uh, our, our our buddy um, Carol. What is his name? Uh, 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 D- Kelly Connell from yesterday. Most of them are stunt people. So uh, like Chainsaw Fair. Doctor here is a professional stuntman, Tim Storms. But he... I just love his uh, resume that he put up on IMDb, so I wanted to have like a little a little smidget of it. So Tim Storms teaches martial arts and gymnastics and has worked as a stunt coordinator, a circus performer, a professional juggler, a unicyclist, a tightrope walker, an acrobat, a dance choreographer, a fight choreographer, and he's versed in musical theater, which he has a degree in, taekwondo, and wushu kung fu, which he has black belts in, and he has studied about six other different types of martial arts. He's wow. basically... Like <laughs> a movement and physicality expert, basically. Um, and uh, this, 
like he's done stunts on a ton of stuff starting with like the matrix as a stunt trainer and then he was on sea biscuit this movie spider-man 3 as well 24 Kirby enthusiasm these days he works in tv a lot so he's a stunt uh stuntman on westworld and agents of shield and he was patrick stewart's stunt double on logan so way to go Ooh. tim storms you maniac um wow. i love i love his bit here it's just like yeah his breathing and the crash zooms to show like the focus and the desperation and the way he really slams into the environment. It's just so fun. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely the kind of sequence, which I imagine as an actor, you really have to trust the director because he is telling you to go to 13 (laughs) and you're just like, you're not, I'm not supposed you're, that's not what I'm supposed to do on camera. I'm going to look ridiculous. It's like, no, trust me. You won't. You'll look ridiculous if you don't. Uh, And, and you just have to trust your director because that's the thing, right? Is like, Especially when you're shooting on film, which this would have been, because I, I don't yeah. think uh, digital was uh, being uh, used on big budget movies that weren't right. directed by George Lucas at the time. No, this um, was on 35 millimeter. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, you would have had to wait to get your dailies or whatever later on. So, there, the, you know, you don't know what you, what the movie is that you're making. You're just, you know, showing up and doing your thing and trusting that the director knows what he's doing and he's going to turn... <laughs> To put something together like for a long time the movie is just in the head of the director you know yeah and yeah it's like no i promise all of this stuff is going to cut together and it's going to look great dial it up to 13 please uh it's crazy 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 fun uh yeah once, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get over the and i love uh, i love the off-center like weird uh coverage of the uh tentacle pov split screen oh god yes oh i uh, love it so much yeah you know as we like the more i started watching it as i was taking notes i got i was starting to get like this almost like i was starting to get like a cyberpunk vibe out of this scene because like <laughs> it really is just this almost like if you didn't know what this movie was like if you were just watching like let's say you weren't even watching this whole movie you're just watching this one minute like somehow this minute got out of your database and like found someone's computer had never seen this movie yeah. like this is a cyberpunk type of vibe where it's like this dystopian of like wire work and you know us like these flesh bag humans getting destroyed by like this metal monstrosity like there's something i really enjoy about it yeah. and like yeah. there's snake-like features which is my favorite animal which is probably why i like this thing so much but it's like <laughs> it's just so beautiful to watch these things like i love this right in the beginning of the minute where it just grabs a dude's arm and like it knows like oh you have a metal piece of object in your hand i'm just throw you in this light bulb and like it kills the guy it's like that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's it's uh i mean these things are right out of the matrix you know it's like the mm-hmm. it's uh mm-hmm. whatever those the the, the bots that um, sort of like drill into the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Um, it, that's what it kind of reminds you of, like the design of them, especially in this like dimly lit room with mm-hmm. their their glowing red eyes. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, it, it reminds me a lot of those. And and they, they kind of, they remind me of uh, those those robots that are drilling into the Nebuchadnezzar. And then also like the thing that like the, the uh, claw machine claw that like takes Neo out oh, of the right. yeah, out that, of the back. grabs him with with uh like he grabs his torso and lifts him. Yeah, out of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all it feels of a piece. I'm I'm <laughs> currently scrolling because I know the um the main design of the tentacles themselves, the one that they kept coming back to, was done by Paul Catling, and I'm like, I wonder if he worked on um 
I wonder if he worked on The Matrix too. But no, I guess it's like it's mostly just been this and uh, all the Harry Potter movies and whatnot. But yeah. it is. You're right. It feels not in a bad way, but it feels like it's from a different movie. Uh, like it. No, feels I love like, it. I'm in yeah. love with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's I feel like, like uh, this this uh, this whole scene. I feel like it defined what these arms are for Dr. Yeah. Octopus yeah. for, for, you know, for now on, like yeah. it gave them character, yeah. gave them purpose. Like yeah. these things have a mind of its own. Like it is, yeah. like, it's not just, you know, like when we doctor, think of them now, the when people, well. when, even when people cosplay as Dr. Octopus, like, and mm-hmm. it comes to like the design of the arms, we will always think back to this film and this scene because like you said, Nate, this gave them the character. Like they mm-hmm. became, you could argue that they are a character in this movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they definitely yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can actually argue that the movie is it's, actually a movie, but it's also being a character. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, that's what I love so much. Even like when we did Man of Steel Minute and we get to the world engine, you know, you can't help but think when it has those liquid geo arms that it's like, it just reminds you of the arms from this film because yeah. like, mm-hmm. it's just so like well ingrained in comic book movie adaptations at this point. Like this is an iconic scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, no, it is. It is definitely an iconic scene. It's not, it's not quite to the level of the upside down kiss uh, mm-hmm. of the first movie, but it's, it, it, it definitely gets close. It gets right. close. Um, it's, it's, a it's an incredible, incredible scene, uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're completely right. I mean, it, here's the thing before this movie, Dr. Octopus was a fairly low key, forgettable Spider-Man villain. Like right. he, he came up a lot, um, mm-hmm. uh, but, but throughout the nineties, the eighties and nineties, Doc Ock was not a go-to villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had all moved on to characters like Venom or, uh, you know, breaking down Craven in the eighties with Craven's last hunt and things like that. They, they tended to focus more on, um, on those sort of, uh, like darker characters. When, um, uh, when we were kids, it was Scorpio was a big thing. And so I felt like a lot of us were expecting Scorpion. Scorpio. Just Scorpion. Was it Scorpion? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Scorpio. Yes. But yeah, no, yeah. I remember Scorpion being a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I felt like we were all wondering when he was going to show up in these films. And even he now, it's like his turn. He's on hiatus now. Now everything yeah. is Doc yeah. Ock. It, you know, well, yeah, but that's Vulture what I was. Gonna, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. Is that before this movie, like Doctor Octopus, like people knew him. I think from the Fox cartoon, but that right. was yeah. about it. Like to the point where when I first saw this movie and he didn't have a German accent, I was like, oh wait, what? Like, because I was so used to the Dr. Octopus from the Fox cartoon where he had mm-hmm. that, that German or Austrian accent that he had in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it threw me a little. Uh, but it's after this movie happened, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Octopus was everywhere. Like, yeah. you know, Dan, Dan Slott took over Spider-Man, I think, four yep. years after this. And he basically made it his mission to... Make Doctor Octopus make make an argument for Doctor Octopus to be uh, Peter's ultimate nemesis, right. um, and I think that that is largely because of this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you can take it seriously as Doc a threat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. He's yeah. not just a joke of a guy. Where oh yeah, the arms guy. It's like no, that that dude is awesome. 
I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. it worked he did on the me. job for me at least. Yeah, I mean, it worked slots, on me. Yeah, yeah slots octopuses. Uh, there's a reason why Superior Spider-Man exists. Like, come on. Yeah, like, that's, a, that's a that's a thing, guys. Yeah, it's, like, my, it's my favorite Spider-Man yeah, run for, for real. reason. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is a uh, is a is a is a big important moment for this character is this scene, uh, yeah. which is so crazy. And that's to say nothing of like in the context of the movie, just taking all of that out of the equation. In the context sure. of the movie, Otto was this gentle, kind scientist with a wife and a happy life 15 minutes ago (laughs) and and now and now murder machines are killing doctors coming out of his back Um, and it's just such an abrupt turn that it what what i think this extreme turn does is it it allows us to be like it's so jarring Mm-hmm. That it's like overcorrecting on purpose so that when they settle on something closer to stereotypical villain than to the guy we met at the beginning, we can sort of make sense of it in our head. Because right. this is such a hard overcorrect into evil. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 settling back. A little bit. We're just like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. This feels, this feels good. And this and feels the separation natural. of the two characters is, uh, um, not just right. pre uh, stuff, not just pre explosion arc and post explosion arc. It's not really explosion, but I'm going with it. But like the actual, the menace Accident, here is yeah. is contained in the arms. Um, mm-hmm. like the most violent and dangerous he ever is is while he's unconscious and just letting his id roam free and the and the arms are in charge. Mm-hmm, so like right. that having that as the second half like the other devil on his shoulder I think is is why why it feels more appropriate when we're balanced later. But it is mm-hmm. man it's nuts. Like this scene I guess narratively wise it it ups the stakes so much because now anything could happen and I would you know it, it would feel appropriate like Prior to this scene, the the Doc Ock that we know, it, I wouldn't think he might hurt somebody or, you know, take somebody hostage or kill anybody. And then post this scene, I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, we're in new territory, we've crossed the threshold, and I'm scared for Spidey. Because, I mean, like, I, obviously the Green Goblin is an amazing character and he, he's so well done in the other movie, but, like, this type of lethality, like, physically, is really jarring um to 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 run into at this point in the runtime and then it's like i don't know how spider-man's gonna fight that guy it's basically where my head goes yeah yeah whereas whereas with uh and 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 you're right like this is like this scene is perfect for oh my god what 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 is he gonna do (laughs) um but but it's but you know that is a stark that is in stark contrast with you know the green goblin in the last movie who doesn't have a scene like this. In fact, they keep him hidden until he's completely the green goblin at the, at the, at the parade or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, the world unity festival. So it's, it, he doesn't, he didn't, he doesn't get the, the goblin doesn't get a scene like this. And I think, I honestly think if they had given him a scene like this, Hmm. Uh, it might have actually improved that character, character that we already really like and really oh, yeah. like Willem Dafoe's take on it. But I think that people would have been uh, more taken with him generally 
if he had had a scene like Doc Ock is getting here. This right. scene of just like, oh my God, this guy is terrifying. And look at how he's taking out all these people. How how does Spider-Man, like, how is he going to stand a chance to this? Right. Um, right. That's good. And it allows you yeah. to like, I, the, the common refrain with the Goblin is like, I mean, I like him so much, but like the costume looks goofy. And it's like, this type of scene renders the danger so palpable that you don't worry about like the trench coat and glasses later, you know, mm-hmm. like that can't take away the danger that already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of the outfit that he's wearing, if we had something like this for uh, Goblin, I think it would help sell the wackier stuff later, you know? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think yeah. so too. Um, last thing I wanted to mention was I, I love that shot under the table. Oh, yeah. Uh, the shot where we're 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 seeing like his body like move and, sh- mm-hmm. and shake as the arms are uh, killing everybody, but we're just like looking at him sleeping with the bandage on his face. Um, it's it's real good. I lo- I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think it's like to to show the audience because some audience members might be like, okay, well he's he's awake, right? He's controlling it. It's like no, they're doing this on their own. Like right. Yeah. You have to show yeah. them that. Yeah. It it makes it so much more horrific too totally yeah yeah it's like some sort of like a mk ultra type deal where like somebody that you know who's nice just like snaps and kills a bunch of people and they don't even realize they're doing it it's mm-hmm. you know it's in the, along the same continuum there this idea that like you can't even call out to reason with him and ask and plead you know like these people yelling help it's all just falling on deaf ears because he's unconscious Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, gross. <laughs> uh, gross and scary. I love it. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. It's uh yeah, it's awesome. And it just feels like oh, man, you just you just think about like you watch it and you you kind of feel bad for him cuz it's just like, yeah. "Oh, you're going to get blamed for this and this isn't your fault. You didn't mm-hmm. do this." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and and you, so you sort of uh you already man, it's just like a perfect tragic backstory. Yeah. Um in this movie. It's really, really good. Yeah. yeah. My my last note for this is just I feel I wrote this down kind of like a general thing, but I feel like most directors or all directors, they should they should try their hand at at doing like horror films or horror like short films. Like I feel mm. like this is such a great practice for any director because I feel like once you prove that you can show something and get a scare out of someone, like that you've made it as far as like uh editing uh, mm-hmm. And sound design, sound make, like like if you can pull off a good horror piece, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a whole film or just like a scene. Like you really prove like your skill and craft at filmmaking. So like yeah. when I saw this and like you know we were talking earlier about like the ease that that you know Sam Raimi has at doing this kind of stuff. It's like it shows your caliber, like how like how talented you you are. And I feel like if people just tried their hand at it, like it would help them get better at directing in sure. filmmaking. I mean, it's, it's pure visual storytelling for right. the most part. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's important to, because um, more than any other genre, I think horror allows for experimentation mm-hmm. visually also, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, that's a really important part of uh, trying to find your, your visual style. So, I think that's why a lot of directors uh, start off in horror because, you know, it allows them to sort of like figure out who they are uh, totally. and and maybe even go a little too far with certain things and then be able to scale them back 
uh, appropriately. Uh, you know, I, you know, Sam Raimi's a perfect example of that. I mean, his the Evil Dead movies are insane. They're completely yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then you can see over the course of his filmography, you can see him pick and choose where to go full Evil Dead and where to scale it back occasionally. Yeah. Um, and Peter Jackson uh, too, I think about like yeah, his early totally. stuff, like Brain Dead, and yeah, or I guess it was called Dead Alive in um, New Zealand. But like, it's just a nuts zombie movie. Maybe one of the goriest films I've ever seen in terms of blood. Um, yeah, but it's and up there. He just, it's up there. Yeah, and like you, you learn everything you can. You stretch all of your muscles basically, and then can apply that when it's necessary. Like in the Lord of the Rings, you know, it's not right. not a horror film, but the orcs and like the the killing and oh, stuff yeah. like that like he yeah. had total control so that's horror yeah absolutely well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you guys on all social media at dcu minutes and also the dc cinematic minute listener society on facebook so you can join us on there and uh, catch up on any of the minutes we're talking about and scott you're on there i don't know if zach's in there but you can join <laughs> us and talk with all of us there as well All right, and uh, the four of us will be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 43. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.